given to both the choir, but I'm just going to pray before I start. Can I ask you just to put your hand on your heart where you are? Lord, this morning, we say that we are your inheritance, Jesus. We are your inheritance, Lord. We, you've paid for us. You've took our place on that cross. You poured out your blood, Lord, your body broken for each one of us for your glory. And this morning we come and we just say, would you have your glory in us as your body, as your bride? Would you come and have your glory in us, Jesus? Nothing less but your glory, God. You being the majestic one, the worthy one, the great one, the glorious one, Lord. Would you come and have all your glory, Jesus? Can I ask you just where you are, can you just say, Lord, have your glory in me. I want to I, I actually ask you to, to, to loudly say it with me. Lord, have your glory in me. We just say it again, Lord, have your glory in me. Lord, one more time. Lord, have your glory in me. Oh, God. This morning, nothing less. Jesus, nothing less. Amen. Amen, amen, amen. Thank you, Craig. Um, it is such a privilege to be here this morning. Kevin quickly shared that my wife and I, we from Wellington. My wife has been in Wellington, I think, for the past 20 years. Myself, I've been in Wellington for the past 13 years. And it's just such an honor being here. I've, I've, uh, this is actually, I think, my second time I've, I've ever been to a Durbanville AM congregation service. Um, the, 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 I've, I've been attending a couple of elders meetings, and I, I do want to say this, something that has struck me from every eldership meeting I've attended, I think there's only three that I've been with since now, is that these elders really do love this church and each one of you. It's something that I've just noticed that they always start off with praying for each one of you. Do you know that? They start off by praying for each one of you. They cry out for each one of you. And why do they do that? Because it's exactly what I prayed now, that in us, we all together, say I, everyone, say I, look to the person next to you, say you, all of us together here are created, placed together in this body to give glory to Him. All of us, each individual, every child is placed into this body to give glory to Him in the end. And we need to know that. We need to know that. Sorry, I'm, I'm quite a serious guy, so I just jumped in there. But um, we have two kitties there at the back. You would see uh, we have Emma Joy. Um, she is, we have two kids under the age of three. Pray for us. Um, we have our little Emma Joy, and then we have Nathan Ryder. We gave them names that they can actually pronounce in the nations, because my name is Skull Kendrick. And that is a name that if you go into the nations, it's not a name that's easily pronounced, I've noticed. I always, they always change my name to Scott. Um, so I, I have this joke, when I go overseas, uh, I went to Russia in 2016, and they called me Scott West. My, uh, Skulk von der Westhausen is my name and surname. So um, 
My wife is English. I'm Afrikaans. You're more than welcome to speak Afrikaans to myself and my wife. But um, people always ask us, um, are we Afrikaans or English? And then I tell them, oh, my wife is English, so we're English. You know, so that is, that is how that ended. That is how that ended. Um, <coughs> but um, I want to maybe just tell this story of our little Emma Joy. The other day I was playing with, with Nathan and Emma, and we were sitting on the ground. And our Emma, she's a dreamer. She, she's a strong-willed girl, but she loves dreaming and singing. That's the two things that they do. She's always in her own world. And she walks past me, and she whisks my glasses off my face. Now, I'm at this stage. I need my glasses to look for my glasses. Okay. I think some of you know what I'm speaking about. You need glasses to look for your glasses. I'm at that stage at the moment. And she takes my glasses, and I, I look at her, and I say, Emma, like, I need my glasses. Daddy can't see without his glasses. And she looks at me. She takes her hand, and she puts it on my eyes. And, and gibberish, child gibberish, because she still struggles to speak full sentences. He goes, amen, 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 amen. And then she looks at me and says, you're better now. And then she walks with the glasses away. So that's our little, little Emma Joy. Um, but uh, it's cute. Uh, it's, so, it's so beautiful to see, even as Hannah shared about the, the children, and specifically from that psalm, that through the praises of children, his strength is established. And that specific story, I didn't prepare this, but that specific story where Jesus cleaned out the temple and he almost flushed the temple because of all the trade that was going on in the house of God. They were selling pigeons and selling doves and all those things for Passover. There was a, you know, people needed sacrifices to go and actually worship. But these people, their intentions was to make money. And Jesus comes and he cleans out the temple. And it's so beautiful. Directly after that, scripture says the children sang praises to Jesus. Now can you just imagine, imagine Jesus comes in, he, he flips over tables, he, you know, he, he chases them out of the temple and suddenly, I don't know where this children comes from, I don't know where their parents are, but they come and they sing praises to him and the Pharisees could not take it. They could not take it that these children look at Jesus and in the midst of all those grown-ups, they recognized who he was. And they went and said, this is Jesus. And they sang praises to him. And it made those Pharisees angry. And I want to tell you, to this day, I, if I look at my own children, I'm so challenged in how hardened my heart becomes often. This is just me. I hope there's some of you that are also ch challenged when you look at your own children. But the Bible actually says, when you look at children, that the kingdom of God belongs to these. That is quite a statement to make. That is such a statement to make. And basically saying, that not that we must become childish, please not. But it's saying there's an attitude of a child, there's an innocence and a soft heart, an openness that all of us need to have and try and carry a sensitivity with us when it comes to Jesus. Amen? Amen. That is just a freebie I'm throwing in there. It's not what I want to speak about at all. Um, but it's so beautiful that specifically the first song, we use the word majestic. And I want to start off this morning by saying, Jesus is beautiful. He is beautiful. We often sing it in our worship. We often hear this phrase, Lord, you are beautiful. But I don't use it lightly this morning. I don't say this morning, Lord, you are beautiful as a far of idea or, you know, an airy fairy concept. But I know from my walk with the Lord, 
from him revealing himself as being faithful and good and kind, from studying his word, seeing that he's a righteous judge, seeing in his word that he took our place and his blood that flowed and his body was broken. There's only one logical conclusion we can come to this morning, and that is that he is beautiful. He is beautiful. There's none, no one in the heavens, no one on the earth that can compare to Jesus. He is beautiful. And you know, your heart was created to be captivated. That each part of you in your heart was designed to be occupied by something. We as humans, we so quickly get occupied by things. We do. I'm quite a, you know, if I focus on something, I focus on something. And that has all my attention. You know, I'm that type of guy. I, I don't give myself half-hearted to something. If I know I give myself half-hearted to something, I'd rather not do it. But I give everything. And I think to a certain extent, all of us have something like that in us. But He made us to be captivated by Him. Be captivated by Him. So this morning, I want to speak to you about one specific thing that I feel like God, I, I prayed and, I mean, there's many things that I, I, I felt like I can speak about. And I felt actually the Lord telling me, stop, there's this one specific area that I want to reveal to, to us, this body. I'm saying us because we're also in it. It feels nice to say it, eh? Um, but he, there's one specific aspect of him that he wants to reveal to us this morning. And my hope is that uh, as we look at him this morning, that we will be changed. As we look at him this morning, we will be changed. Isn't that like, so if we spend time, I, I see it with my own daughter, okay, Emma Joy. You're going to hear a lot of Emma Joy stories, okay? Um, but she has this saying, she would sometimes, out of the blue, just say, oh, goodness. She can't even speak sentences, but she says, oh, goodness. And the other day, Bitty was eating with my, our boy, Nathan Ryder. He is about one, one year and a couple of months old. And he was eating spaghetti. Parents, you know, when they eat spaghetti, you surrender. Nah. I mean, you just give up from the beginning. You just allow the splish splash happening with spaghetti everywhere, spaghetti against the door, on the table, on the floor, everywhere. And uh, Booty was eating spaghetti, and, and she came into the room, and as she saw Booty, Booty messing, she looked at him and looked at the mess, and he says, and she says, "I, oh goodness," and started actually cleaning. Praise God for that. But, you know, um, I'm like, Lord, please let that keep on. You know, but um. She learned that from someone. And my wife and I, we, we say it's maybe one of the omas that she got that from. But I, I've heard my wife saying, oh, goodness. And we know that as she is spending time with us, there's certain quirks. Parents, do you know that if you look at your children, there's certain things that they do. And you look at it and you're like, ah, that's me. You know what I'm speaking about. Oh, yes, there is that thing. And, and if I look at Emma, there's many things, if, uh, you know, good things and now and again, uh, you know, not so good things. I'm like, oh, sh you know, whoa, whoa, wow, you, that's me, you know. And I think it's similar when it comes to the Lord. The more time we spend with Him, the more time we study His Word, the more time we take and spend in His presence and worship, not just on a Sunday or a Wednesday, there's something of our heart that gets transformed. An interesting fact, do you know if you look into the sun, please go and do this. No, please don't go and do this. It takes only 100 seconds for your eyes to be damaged. 
So if you go outside, you look into the sun, it takes 100 seconds for you to have permanent eye damage. Permanent eye damage. What am I saying with this silly example? That's a good question. I'm saying even as how much more when we look at Jesus, if we truly look at him, take time to behold him, we are transformed completely. I want to, actually it's scriptural, I want to quickly look at Romans 8 verse 29. It says, for those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the what? The image of his son. In order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. You can quickly put, uh, put up 2 Corinthians 3 verse 18. And we all with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image. This scripture is saying that in this room, all of us sitting here, each one of us, God is busy working and shaping and molding each one of us into what? The image of His Son. As we look at Him, you are being transformed. We cannot remain the same as we come to Him. We are being transformed. Have you ever wondered why the image of His Son, and I'm, gonna give, I, I'm not going to focus too much on this, but I want to give you two simple reasons why His Son. Firstly, do you know that the Son, Jesus, when He was here, everything He did revealed the Father's heart. Everything, every word that He spoke, everything He did revealed the Father. And because He revealed the Father, He gave glory to the Father. And as we are formed into the image of the Son, we give glory to the Father. The second reason is there was no distance between Jesus and the Father. They were one. They were fellowship, communion. They were unity between son and dad. Jesus and his father. And we being transformed into the image of the son basically means we're getting to a place where we are in unity with the father's heart. In unity with the son. And do you know that each one of us are called, invited into this place? Amen? Are you all still with me? good to hear. It's good to hear. Kevin, you must jump up and grab the mic if I'm not saying anything I mustn't say. Um, <laughs> please, you're more than welcome. Um, so uh, he's busy transforming each one of us in this room. He is doing that. He's busy with that with each one of us. And this morning, I want to highlight one aspect of him. And I believe as we look at it, something in us cannot remain the same. And that is this word, Christ is worthy. Everyone say worthy. Everyone say worthy. I want you, I want to, I want to feel it in the room. Worthy. Christ is worthy. We encounter that word specifically in the book of Revelation. Revelation 4 speaks about um, worship that is playing off before the throne of God in heaven. And there's this proclamation that we read about. It says, worthy, worthy, worthy. If you read it on there asking, who is worthy? And obviously it comes down to Jesus is worthy. But what does it actually mean? How many of our songs that we sing has the word worthy in? I mean, the famous one that most of you must probably know, you are worthy of it all. We sing that so easily. Do you guys know that song? You are worthy of it all. From you are all things. To you are all things. You deserve the glory. What do we actually mean when we sing that word worthy? Now, the, the, that word worthy basically means 
balancing the scales. Skulk, what does that mean? Balancing the scales. We don't use these type of scales anymore. I know some people have used these type of scales in their kitchen. But it's a scale with two sides. I think they still use it maybe in weighing people with boxing. I'm not sure. But um, it's a scale with two sides. The, the picture I usually have is the Justice Department of South Africa. There's a picture of a, it looks, it's a lady in the middle and then there's a scale, you know. And the one side is at the top and the other side is at the bottom like this. You guys know what I'm speaking about. And basically this word worthy that speaks about balancing of the scale says... That if Jesus, if we had to take Jesus and we put him in the one side of the scale, can we find anything else if we put it on this side of the scale that will balance that scale out? My family, my job, my plans and my success, coffee. <laughs> Sport, series, it's like Skulk, you're naming all the stuff on my list. <laughs> so I can go on. Is there anything we can find that will bring balance to the sky? And obviously the answer is no. There's nothing in the heavens, there's nothing in the earth that can compare to Jesus. So when you sing those words, you are worthy of it all. You're basically saying and you're proclaiming, Lord, that I've, I've looked, there's nothing, nothing compares to you. It's quite a weighty statement to make. You all agree with me? It's quite a weighty thing to say. But do you know that Jesus is worthy? He is the worthy one. He is. And I want to look at two portions of Scripture this morning, and I want to demonstrate you, because if we look at Him being worthy, what does that mean for us? And I want to go to Matthew 13, verse 44. Matthew 13, verse 44. And it's the shortest parable in the Bible. This is a story that Jesus uh, told, and it's, uh, it's the shortest story of all the stories. And it goes like that. You can read with me. It says, The kingdom of heaven... It's like a treasure hidden in the field, which a man found and covered up. Then in his joy, he goes and sells all that he has, and he buys the field. The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in the field. So maybe give you a little bit of context in that time that they didn't have banks. So when they had something precious, whether it was money, jewelry, or just something very valuable it wasn't uncommon to dig a hole on your land and take whatever's precious and put it in there and then cover it up again it wasn't an uncommon thing but the law that time said that if it happens that you are walking in a field and that you accidentally stumble upon a treasure let's say you're walking and you trip you know and you fall and you see oh there's something precious here it's a container full of money or whatever it says that even if you found it and discover it, it is not yours. It belongs to the owner of the land. That's what the law of the land in that time said. So basically what this scripture said is this man, just imagine, quickly put yourself in the shoes of this man. He was walking. Whether it was to his job, I don't know. Maybe he worked on a farm, I don't know. But he was busy with normal everyday life. He was probably in his normal routine 
walking over a field and suddenly clunk you know on his foot and he looks down and he stumbles upon this treasure whatever it is okay and it says that from that moment he was so captivated by this one thing that all that he could think about was how can i get this land so that i can actually you know have this treasure and isn't it beautiful that portion of scripture said what how did he do how did he do it in his joy it was a joyful thing i'm just going to say that again he went to sell everything and it was a joyful thing who of you would go do that with joy in your heart now <laughs> not many of us i, I would be challenged challenging me to do that but he went in his joy and suddenly after he discovered that treasure stuff was normal he stumbled upon the treasure and moments after that it's as if his whole outlook was transformed his agenda was different what he valued was suddenly different he didn't care what had to happen now he was obsessed with one thing how can i get this treasure and obviously do you know who is the treasure this parable speaks about jesus jesus i told my wife the only way i can explain this to someone this type of moments is when we had our children okay everyone before and i don't know who of you parents um again a lot of parent stories coming out here before when you were pregnant with your first one how many people came to you and gave you advice and usually people love giving their worst stories né their worst stories they come to you and tell you of all their pregnancy complications okay and you're like thank you i'm so encouraged you know and they come and they speak to you and and it's, it is a beautiful thing we need to you know be realistic about these things i do understand and uh, but you have all this information some of you maybe even did a course before you you know gave birth my wife and i we went to a, a antenatal course where they tell you everything what's going to happen and even give you a budget for diapers which i realize is very unrealistic if you need a diaper you buy a diaper we have money or not you buy a diaper you know uh, you can have a budget but you you know you get a diaper <laughs> um but we did all of those things i knew in my head that things are going to change but the moment Emma Joy was born and i heard that first scream which i'm not going to try and replicate now i knew suddenly in my heart that nothing is going to be the same from this moment all my priorities suddenly changed in that moment you know i knew life is going to be different but what i valued was completely turned upside down in that moment walked out of that hospital as a different man Is there any is there any families that or fa- you know father specifically you can uh, agree with me and I think it's similar to what happened with this guy that actually discovered the treasure He must probably knew these treasures hidden in these fields because it was a common thing but yet in a moment he discovered and this morning I'm trusting that the Holy Spirit would come and show each one of us that Jesus is worthy and as he shows it to us it demands a response from every life in this place we cannot go on as normal people we need to lay down everything compared to his word but there's a different story that i also want to just pull your attention to i'm almost done kevin told me i have 2 hours 
And that's that. So, <clears throat> are you all still with me? Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> Matthew 19, verse 20 to 22. And again, I just love the theme of children that's been coming through this whole morning. I do believe this was probably something of the Lord actually speaking to us. But here we read a story about a rich young ruler that came to Jesus. And I always heard preachers on this, but I do just want to mention this. Before this happened, this whole story, which we're not going to read now every verse, Jesus was actually making this statement when I, I mentioned now, now that the kingdom of God belongs to these. He was pointing to the children. And I can just imagine this rich young ruler standing at the side and seeing Jesus pointing to the kids that did nothing significant. Okay? They've only been, was probably here for three, four, five, six years. They've only children. And he says the kingdom of God belongs to these people. And this guy's like, what? And he goes to Jesus. And he asks, what must I do to have that, to have the kingdom? And Jesus actually lists the, some of the commandments. He, he says, you know, don't murder, etc. And he said, I've all these things I have done. And let's quickly read there from verse 20. This young man, he says, all these things I have kept. The young man said, what do I still lack? And Jesus answered, if you want to be perfect, go sell your possessions and give to the poor you will have treasure in heaven oh and then i love these words then come follow me when the young man heard this he went away sad because he had great wealth i'm not saying this morning listen to be rich as a sin please don't hear that please don't hear that but what jesus did here he knew that wealth was occupying this guy's heart and he challenged the very thing that occupied this guy's heart and said, there is not place for this thing to be an idol in your heart. I am actually the treasure in front of you. You're asking, what can you do? Leave all those things and come with me. That's what he's saying. And here you have these two opposite stories. You have a guy that discovered the treasure and he said, you know, there's no cost too high to pay to get this treasure. And then you have this young rich ruler standing on the other side saying, this cost is too much for me to pay to have this treasure. Where are you standing this morning? Where are you standing this morning? He is worthy whether you feel like it or not. Whether you feel like it or not, he remains worthy into eternity. And are we... As a body, I'm speaking to myself because I'm so challenged as I read this. As I studied, as I prepared, I felt like I was repenting every minute. <laughs> Just sorry, Lord, sorry, Lord, sorry, Lord. But if we look at the worthiness of Jesus, the balancing of scales, that there's nothing that can compare to Him. Where are we standing? Where are you standing? My wife here, where are you? You can quickly come up. Just two, two more things I want to mention and then I'm done. I'm just going to ask my wife to, to play a little bit in the, in the background. Isn't she beautiful? Just want to say that. Uh, <laughs> uh, I can tell you many stories, and we have a lot of time. <laughs> Not this morning, going ahead. But um, seeing the worth of something transforms you, changes you completely. 
And I want to take you, as I looked at this parable and the story, I want to take you to one more story where you find in the Bible. And it's about Mary of Bethany and Judas. Similar than what I just said. And we find that in Matthew 26, verse 6 to 16. I think it's going to be on the screen. You can quickly read with me. I just want to say, yeah, um, let's read and then I'm going to say what I want to say. Now, when Jesus was at Bethany in the house of Simon the leper, a woman came up to him with an alabaster flask of very expensive ointment or perfume. And she poured it on his head as he reclined at the table. And when the disciples saw it, they were indignant, saying, Why this waste? For this could have been sold for a large sum and given to the poor. But Jesus, aware of this, said to them, Why do you trouble this woman? For she has done a beautiful thing to me. For you always have the poor with you, but you will not always have me. In pouring this ointment on my body, she has done it to prepare me for burial. Truly I say to you, wherever the gospel is proclaimed in the whole world, what she has done will also be told in memory of her. And then we have the story of Mary just bringing very expensive um, perfume and, and almost just you know, taking all that perfume and, and pouring it over Jesus. And directly after that in Matthew 26, we go to Judas. The one of the twelve, whose name was Judas Iscariot, went to the chief priest and said, What will you give me if I deliver Jesus over to you? And they paid him thirty pieces of silver. And from that moment, he sought an opportunity to betray him. Skulk, what are you saying? If you look at Mary, and I, I just need to explain this to you. It speaks about very expensive perfume. Now, most of you have heard this. This very expensive perfume was equal to a year's salary. Yeah. It was equal to a year's salary. And John, in the book of John, we actually read that it was called a perfume. I think I'm pronouncing it correctly in English. Sorry for all the English speakers. Spikenard. Is, it, is that the right pronunciation? Anyone? No. Okay. But anyways, they call it Spikenard. Now, Spikenard was a very expensive perfume. To give you an idea, that perfume was made in India. And, and they were not in India. So they had to travel all the way where they were. And part of the process was, as they literally took uh, grass. Oh, my They literally took that perfume, the spikenard perfume. And it was almost like grass. And they took that and they dried it out. And from that, they would take like a liquid, which basically formed the perfume. And that was a very long process. Then it was shipped. To give you an idea, that perfume was only found in the house of kings. So the question is, how did Mary get this perfume? Have you ever wondered about it? How did she get hold of this perfume? There was also fake perfume, by the way. It was quite a common thing. I don't, maybe some of you are wearing some fake perfume. I, I always had a friend that, that sold fake perfume. You know, it smells a little bit like cat pee. With, uh, you all know what I'm speaking about, yes? You're laughing because some of you are like buying that for your parents. and for your. But um, this perfume was very expensive. 
And do you know, I tried to go and read. I tried to go see historically, is there anything that anyone says? And you know, the only logical conclusion that some of the people came to was that Mary had to sell a lot of things to buy this perfume. Does it remind you of the story that I just told you about the treasure in the field? So we have this picture of Mary that came and she was probably had to give up so much for that moment to bring that perfume to Jesus and throw it over him. But then directly after the disciples looked at this happening and the Bible said they became indignant. That word indignant means they became angry because they felt the cause was unworthy. They looked at it and said, we could have sold that perfume and give it to the poor. Well, here's the thing. Jesus does care for the poor. He actually spoke and preached about it a lot. But as soon as the poor replaced Jesus, we have a problem. And so it can be anything that replaces him. And he came to this point and he said, you're not going to have me here always. He knew the disciples were saying this. Actually, the other gospel said, Judas said all of that. Mary gave one of the biggest gifts that you can, could give. It cost her almost everything in that moment. A moment broke over the, up in that perfume and wasted on Jesus. And then Judas goes for 30 pieces of silver. That is equal a third of what Mary gave. And he goes and he says, listen, actually the Bible says in the other, in the other gospel that Judas stole money. He was a thief. He followed Jesus because he wanted the blessing, but he didn't want to commit. And we have this picture of Jesus when he, he brought, when he came to betray Jesus, he gave Jesus a kiss. It's almost like he wanted the intimacy with benefits, but no commitment. And you know, Mary... When Jesus died and was in his grave, who went to the grave first? Mary the mother and Mary of Bethany. They didn't know he's resurrected. They were so devoted to him and they pitched up there. Even when he's in this grave, I will be here. You see, when we look at the word of Christ, there's only one logical response, and that is lay down lovers. Nothing in us can stand up. I always think of Emma when we always walked to the pram. Sorry. We walked to the pram and, you know, at the beginning she obviously, Pat Baba, just sits in the pram. But there came a time after a while that she started developing some strength. And they would, she would try and force herself sitting up in the pram, you know. And it's uncomfortable as you walk in the pram. And, you know, she, our little booty, he stands up in the pram and starts dancing now. So, we, you know, it's a, it's a difficult thing. Um, it's a difficult thing and often we are like that these moments where we completely lay down and then something in us wants to you know just stand up and not just give over and submit to the process and he's calling all of us to that place this morning he is but I don't want you to hear me saying this morning you need to do more because that's not what I'm saying Ephesians 1 speaks about it. It's the spirit of wisdom revelation as Kevin has preached at the beginning. It's the Holy Spirit that opens up our eyes and reveals Jesus to us. There's no one more passionate than the Holy Spirit about Jesus. 
And He wants to show you Jesus this morning. And if you're sitting here and I've shared and you're saying, Skulk, I know you, like when I look at those balancing scales, there's many things I know that is actually in my head balancing Jesus out. I made it much more worthy than what it's supposed to be. I'm not trying to bring shame to you, but I want you to come to a place where you cry out to Jesus and say, I need to see you. Because it's only the Spirit of God that can bring that moment when the, the kids were born, that moment when the treasure was discovered, that moment. It's only the Spirit of God that can bring revelation to our hearts and shine a light on the worth of Christ. So I want to call us to that this morning. I want to call us to that this morning. Is that okay, Kevin? Can we close our eyes quickly? Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Lord, we come together not because we want to see what we can get out of this, but because you're worthy. Lord, we walk in accountability not so that we can see what we can get out of it, but because you're worthy of it. Lord, we worship not for our benefit, but because you're worthy. We even our giving, our financial giving, we don't do to see so we can get blessing back, but it's because you're worthy. Even for the parents there at the back, you're running around and you, you're missing half of the service or, you know, the quarter of the service. Why do we do that? Because he's worthy. You are worthy, Jesus. Holy Spirit, and I pray this morning, as you delight to do, <laughs> it's a joyful thing for you to reveal yourself to your children. And I pray that you come and show us. So I want to ask you, I'm not, we're not going to do individual praying for one another, but if you're sitting here, and you felt like, when, as, as we spoke about the treasure, you realize there's certain things that you've almost hold up a little bit higher than what it's supposed to be. And I'll ask you just to respond, maybe. Just where you are, maybe just stand up. It's not to shame, but it's just to, we, there must be a response from our sides. We cannot go on as we go on and just normally try and go on if we look at the worth of Christ. I know God is speaking to us this morning.